Cut you off? I get it. She has flips and stuff. We may be If we say that, they won't keep listening. Morons of the Motherverse. We're here, the Morons of the Multiverse. Mike, what are we talking about today, my friend? We're going to be talking about music, my friends. Oh, man, that is Mike McGarry over there. I'm Derek Weber. And we're going to dive in today to each of our top ten needle drop music moments within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with one key caveat. What is that caveat, my friend? These would have to be non-Guardians. That's right. We are going separate from the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. We decided to dedicate their own episode to that, and that will drop in the near future following this one. But tonight we are going to focus on the rest of our favorite music moments, and then later we'll have a whole top ten dedicated to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, because, well, James Gunn is just that damn good at placing music in movies you'd have to and at this point it's almost like you have to do like a whole james gunn episode and try to rate his top 10 of just everything that he's done oh god that'd be way harder because like, yeah then you loop in suicide squad you loop in super do you remember that movie? oh yeah super yeah. was sweet that super was a dope was movie it's super underrated it's yeah, a really good one though really underrated we should do a rewatch of super at some point down the road that would be a fun one that would be a fun one. This is a multiverse affair, after all. So what better way to explore that multiverse than dive into the 2010 or 11 not-so-hit film starring Rain Wilson? Slither's a good one, too. Yeah, shout-out, Slither. Wonderful. Delightful stuff, no question. <laughs> but let's get into the matter at hand. We're going to take this in a format where Mike and I are each going to list our top ten, going from ten to one, counting down to our favorites. And... For example, if Mike names a song that I have higher on my list, we're going to wait to go into deeper detail about it until we hit where it is on my list, and then we can talk about it further. That way we're not going into deep, long-winded explanations of why we love these songs two different times. Just to keep them in order. And believe me, we like order here at Morons of the Multiverse, because we are indeed morons. Yeah, we're very orderly morons, however. Yes. Obviously. For those of you that ever listened to anything we've ever done before, you know this to be true. Yeah, which would be a lie because I've never done any of this before. So, you'd be a liar. Well, you've heard a couple episodes by now, you know, that we've got them out there. If you haven't caught any of our past stuff, oh, we did enough. a we did a podcast doing a uh, fantasy draft of our favorite Marvel heroes. We've indeed done a two-part episode explaining one of our favorite concepts, which is the League, which is... A group of individuals who are non-superheroes that are just the elites of the elite in the normie category in these Marvel films. The the everyday folk that make them so special to us. And we have some League member representatives in our lineups today, so... Oh, that's good. It's always nice when we can include the League in anything we do around here. Usually seems to happen quite often. I, I feel like we like almost will it a little bit sometimes. Oh, well, there's a will, there's a way. We find a way. Yeah. Especially for our League homies. Shout out, League. You know, I'm going to start with my number 10. Here, Mike. My number 10 is our guy Wong, fucking legend, dancing to single ladies. 
with the headset on. That's been on my list, actually. It's just delightful stuff. I mean, it's one of those moments. Wong won my heart pretty quick into the film Doctor Strange, but that was really one of the couple solidifying moments for me personally, was that little payoff of the Beyonce joke earlier, and just seeing the flip side of he always presented that hard-ass exterior to Steven throughout the majority of that film. Yeah. But that little moment, we got a peek behind the curtain at what a little silly gumball goofball our guy Wong is. He's the best. Shout out to Wong. Love you, Wong. Love you so much, my friend. Season that's my Wong number 10. That's season a good one. Wong is a ever-occurring season. We got a lot of Wong last year, and it was great. Always is. Oh, just great stuff. So I will go ahead with my number 10, and that is the song is It's Been a Long, Long Time, and that is an endgame. Stephen Peggy's dance. It is, the one but that we've been we are going to come back to it because I have it ranked higher than that, my friend. Well, fair enough, then. All right, Derek. Well, then you go out with your number nine, buddy. My number nine is the Captain America song, Man with a Plan, the whole Broadway number that they take on tour doing their whole USO show uh, and the whole the whole montage. That The song's great. It's catchy. It's very, it paints the picture of that era very well mm-hmm. and the way that our country recruited people into this war. It's a hilarious montage, him punching Hitler over and over again. I'm always here for watching Hitler get punched. Yeah, in, never going to shy away from that. In all the ways possible. It's delightful stuff. Like, it's good stuff. Here for the kids Party. in the crowd pointing like, oh, he's Hitler, he's sneaking behind you. <laughs> and he turns around and punches him. It's like, yeah, fucking Hitler, get that punch in the face. Suck it, Hitler, you suck. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Hitler, you do suck. It's awesome. Fucking big time. So that's my number nine. I like it. Thanks. It's a fun one. So my number nine is kind of probably a little different here. I'm going with time at the beginning of the Eternals, the really like the intro of the movie there, the way that that song really just kind of moves into it and the actual like, you know, meaning the actual like lyrics of the song themselves. I mean, really kind of actually tie in a little bit, you know, you have the lines of tired of lying in the sunshine, staying home to watch the rain. You are young and life is long, and there is time to kill today. And these are people that have been here on Earth for a very long time. And I I feel like a lot of that, you know, really kind of ties into each other. Just the way that the lines really speak and the mood of that song really sets the beginning of that really well. It's a really great tone setter in terms of setting up your expectations for a film and the fee- the expected feelings of the film. And uh, right. I, I big time agree with you there. Really, ni- really nice one on the list there. Yeah, I liked it. You know, the more that I watch The Eternals as well, I kind of like it more and more. Yeah, it's... And a little bit more fond with each watch. It's definitely one that I'm more invested now than I was when I left the theater the first time around. And there's a lot of factors involved with that. I mean, obviously... It's hard to introduce 11 main characters simultaneously and have the audience care passionately about any of them in a first sure. watch. In 2 hours and 40 some minutes, that's a lot to, that's a that's a big writing task and yeah. it's difficult to really land and parts of it do and parts of it don't and I'll forever hate on Icarus yeeting himself into the sun. I'll spend the rest of my life bashing that creative decision. I just think it's just so on the nose and dumb. But 
largely I do really like that movie the more I keep watching it. It's got a lot to offer, a lot of big setup stuff, and I know that that's a thing that some people are not fond of when a movie has to do so much work setting up a different thing rather than just being its own contained story. Yeah. But this is definitely one of those. If you would have sold it as a two-parter, I think that it would have made more sense. Like, people probably would have resonated with it better. I think that may be fair, and they kind of could have, like you said, paced it maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a it's not a perfect movie, dude, but I, I do like it a little bit more and more as I watch it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot going on in there. Yeah, a lot of great fun stuff. It's definitely one that if you watched it once and weren't a big fan, you should go back a second time. Give it a second yeah. watch, and I think you'll find you appreciate it more the second time around. At least that's been my uh, that's been my big takeaway thus. Same here, my friend. All right, next. My numero ocho. Yes, sir. Nice. This is, we're going back to Doctor Strange with this one. <laughs> Two here in the back end of my top ten with the Chuck Mangione feels so good scene in the surgery room. And it serves multiple purposes. It gives you a really fun tone because it's just a great song. It sets the stage for the type of person that Stephen Strange is at that point in his life. Before he's bound to become the Sorcerer Supreme, we've all paid our movie ticket to buy him, to buy, to watch it happen. You bought him? I bought him. I, I own Benedict Cumberbatch, actually. Little known fact. How? I've a lot of back channel stuff, but I let him roam free. Like, I didn't buy him to, like, make him do anything. I just... You I bought just, him for the cape. Yeah. Oh, man, if I could buy that cape, I would sell my soul away just to be now that explains i see what happened now yeah, there's yeah. a little deal with the devil there yeah well it was a mishap i thought i was getting the cape and i got benedict cumberbatch <laughs> instead and like so i was just like you know what benedict you keep just making the acting choices you're making you keep like you know doing good work and i'll just enjoy from afar and let you be free so like that's kind of the deal that i have with benedict now interesting i'd like to ask him about that one day yeah we'll we'll get along we'll get an interview with him someday hopefully uh, we'll see. He's a pretty busy guy. He's got. He does a lot of work. He's out there. He's out there. All right. Very out there. Benadryl Cumber Squatch. Well. <laughs> but I, I, I love the scene though. It's really great. I thought I asked you to give me a hard one, and then the dispute. Like, no, it listed as blah blah blah. That's when the single was released. Album was released. Blah blah blah, and just drops it on him. So cocky. So smarmy. All while executing a really high level surgery with ease. Beautiful scene setter in a comic light with a phenomenal song. Because he's fucking Stephen Strange. And that's what Stephen Strange does. That's what he does, baby. Yeah. Well, my next one, my friend, is going to be Iron Man. From none other than the movie Iron Man. And that's right at the very end. So it seems like kind of an odd pick. But, like, at this point, and I don't know if it's just me, like, putting together the song name in the name of the movie but every time i see tony stark and anything after that i hear that song and it gets stuck in my head for days oh and, it's one that lingers with you for a long time you're, you're damn right about that and it could just be like playing that song a whole bunch when i sucked at guitar at the beginning <laughs> like everybody else and played it until i didn't ever want to hear it again but this is in a positive way uh, I actually like that song when accompanied with Iron Man and, like, that bravado. Like, that's just a very loud song, and 
it's very Tony Stark at the time of when that comes in. It's right after Tony not just announces to the world that he is Iron Man, but he ignores Phil Coulson, of all people. Phil fucking Coulson. To be fair, Phil Coulson is largely presented as like a pencil pusher type up to that point. That's fine, but it's Phil Coulson. You can't do that to him. Fucking animal. Is that what you're going for here? So mean. Damn it, Tony. If you weren't dead, I'd be really mad at you. He loved you guys. He loved all of you guys. He even had little Steve Rogers little baseball cards. Little baseball cards. That Sam Jackson dipped in his blood and then presented <laughs> as though they were on his person when he was slapped and murdered. Nick Pretty Fury. good mind game stuff. Some some strong gaslighting from our guy, <laughs> Nick Fury there. Hey, but it saved the universe. Oh, hey. Whatever, right? No, it, did, it served its purpose. My guy, Nick Fury, out here with the gaslighting to save the planet. But it happened, folks. Oh, man. And did it ever. But yeah, that that is that's a good one. I think I really like that song. It didn't make it to my you know number one, but that's just it's a, it's that just one. tells you how good the music is. Tons of great music throughout this whole franchise, and plenty of stuff that we're both going to leave off the list. That's killer as well. Feel free to drop those on the Twitter and Insta and tell us all about the stuff we missed. But uh, that was your number eight, right? Yes, sir. Tight. So that leaves me to my number seven, one I know is not on Mike's list because he. Hated it. Oh, but you didn't. I need to save me now from this place we're in. I gotta do this all day. Boo this man. Yeah, I I won't do the full belt like I did on the draft episode, because honestly it hurt me listening back to it as I edited that sucker. But uh, the the Hawkeye I could do this all day is freaking awesome and i thought it was next level trolling by them to have that be the lone credit scene at the very end just the un uh the uninterrupted version is the only credit scene you get in this show that leaves so much lingering and they were just like no you're not gonna learn anything more about if kingpin's dead or alive you're not going to learn anything more about Maya and what she's going to go off and do. You're not going to learn about anything. You're not going to learn about jack shit. You're going to watch us do the more lengthy version of this beautiful masterpiece of a song, I Could Do This All Day, that's just so bad. It's such a bad song, and that's the point of it. And I, I'm here for the intentionally terrible when it's well-written, and this is well-written intentionally terrible that serves a great purpose in the first episode and showing the way that the grander populace around our heroes regard their heroics and their story, and the way that parts of their story have been translated to the grander populace, but most people don't know the gory details. Like, you wouldn't have Black Widow portrayed in that song the way she is if people know that she sacrificed herself to bring back half the universe. Yeah. That, and watching Clint mute the earpiece and go through all that with his kids and be like, let's get out of here. And the kids are just like, hell yeah, this sucks. We're all out of here. It, that's why it's perfect. It, it couldn't have been intentionally good. You can't write an actually good song and have it sung by Steve Rogers and co about the invasion of the Chitari army. You can't do it. It would be a terrible play by them. So it had to be bad. It had to be campy. I love that. They were just like, Oh, that, ant-man wasn't there like that that's a funny little ad by them that they're just like oh and ant-man's there now really fucking weird but 
it's awesome. It's a great play. And also, it's something that I'm literally just thinking about for the first time. What if those actors are fucking variant versions that are from the variant Earth where Ant-Man had gone back in time to help get a stone and they saw Scott Lang there, so that's why he's in the musical. I don't think so, my friend. I You may be smoking a different stone. Yeah, you're probably right. But, <laughs> you know, just a thought that I thought I should share with the world, <laughs> just in, like, the one in a million chance I am right, I'll be the lone voice that I can go back to this recording and be like, see, I called it. And I I'll fucking just... called it eat so much crow that day but i have a feeling i won't be yeah i don't think that day is ever going to come i think you're pretty safe in that regard but that's my number seven do this all day because i could do this all day as in talk about the musical from hawkeye but i won't we'll move along mike number seven please i have the avengers theme um in a very particular instance in end game and we're going uh it's portals as i found it labeled actually so, just for the portals scene, um, it's actually done by Alan Silvestri, and who did all of the other ones. L- little fun little bit here about all of that, by the way, is this is one of the very few people who actually does get to know what's going on before everything happens. So, unlike Mr. Holland um, or any to be untrusted, this man knows pretty much everything before everybody else. Yeah, there was only like four actors that really knew everything, right? Yep. So it's very cool in the sense that that's why the music works so well in all of these movies too, especially within the orchestral parts, more of the Avengers kind of stuff there. But I just found that to be really interesting in the sense that you have all these big time actors and stuff who aren't even getting scripts. And, you know, you've got this guy going in there because that does, it matters that much. What my point of the whole song is and why I have it here at 7 is that it really takes that next step on the Avengers theme as it is, and then it just keeps building it up. And the way that that happens in like conjunction with all of the you know people coming out of the portals to come and help, like at the moment that it happens, you can just feel the tension moving up and starting to get more uplifting. And as the key kind of starts to change, and then eventually you get to that inevitable inevitable break. Where, you know, Cap, Avengers Assemble. And Ooh, it's right back in... Yeah, exactly. All so the break... The chills. It's, it's perfect, man. I mean, from a, you know, a, a stand back and just look down on it perspective and that in, in a microscope is... It, uh, I If not for a lot of really, really good songs and moments, this very well could have easily been my number one i think that that's where that this list is so hard it's one of the elite level orchestral moments in any marvel movie no question it's right up there and feeling with honestly the orchestra stuff from the og star wars trilogy in terms of feeling making you giving you a distinct memorable feeling of a moment yeah and you're absolutely right that i could hear that song and be transported to that place but I want to ask you a question momentarily taking music off the table just because I don't think I've ever asked you this exact question before. And I'd be curious your thoughts. Bigger Goosebumps moment the first time you saw Endgame. Steve catching the hammer or Steve saying assemble. We'll slash the portals. Steve catching the hammer. Yeah, I think His so hammer. too. 
I mean, I mean, it's really close. That whole moment, that whole like stretch of time was like orgasmic level good for me the first time I saw that in theaters. But the, the pairing of the two within a handful of minutes is something really special. But it's the, I think it's the hammer as well. It's the payoff. It's, it's from such the, a payoff. It's the payoff from that initial joke. You know, who can pick it up? And nobody picks it up. And Steve, I mean, Steve, what did he not bypass that? Or did he actually try? Steve summoned the hammer. To, well, no, he no, tried. Oh, and, in the jo- and, yeah, and, he and did try, right? He definitely tries, yeah. Right. It flinches a tiny bit. Right. He's the one that it He's like, the one that Thor gives the look like, at. It shifts like a millimeter. Right. And, okay. and Thor gives him a look. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the payoff there from that, like the Avengers Assemble thing is it's cool, man. Like you've wanted that. Oh, sure. It's it, That's a whole different type of payoff. But, but the hammer. Yeah. Him that, catching the old ear. Holy shit. Damn near pulled me off. I mean, it's the combination of the look on his face, him catching it, and then Thor's sheer excitement that his buddy is worthy. He's, like, jazzed that Steve is now deemed worthy by Mjolnir. Oh, for sure. Like, pumped up about it. It's awesome. Dude, that'd be like... I'm here a, for buddies cheering on buddies, always. It'd be like acquiring Morris from Trevor Slattery, like... What can a Can you gift. even imagine? I can't imagine. No. I, I, in my wildest dreams, I frolic with Morris. I'm getting worked up thinking about it. we bask in the sunlight. Yeah, it's wonderful. Delightful love you, dreams. Love you, Morris. All right, buddy. We're at my number six now? Yes, sir. All righty. Well, my number six is one of the most iconic songs in film history. And it's iconic from a different film, but used so well in this Marvel film. And the film is Spider-Man, Home, is Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm sorry. And the song is right at the beginning during the high school news program as Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You plays and they mourn the losses of Tony Stark and Natasha Romanoff with just the most hilariously high school edited montage video and these high school broadcasters talking over it about ones talking about how it's irritating that they're even there. They should be out in summer by now or it's the last day and he doesn't care. And the other one is very serious about doing this dedicated news program at all costs because she's a journalist, damn it. And it's just all such a delightful scene. It sets the tone. It brings you it brings you back to to the homecoming tonality, which is a coming of age in a high school story. Like, these are coming-of-age movies within the Marvel Universe, where the rest of our heroes are primarily and, pri- and protagonists are largely grown-ass adults. Well, this is our teenage story. This is not even just a, a main hero that's a teenager, but his high school friends and his high school nemeses and life as a normal teenager that also happens to swing around and save people's lives and fight weird aliens in space and stuff. Unlike his other spider cohorts who've never fought aliens, except for one who black, black goop. Yeah. And uh, let's face it, I mean, it's pure nostalgia. Like, you go back to, like, thinking about exactly how that would have been framed at your high school. How would they have dealt with it, and how would you have heard it or seen it, etc. And I feel like that that's exactly how it would it would be something like that, where it's a great song, but no, it's, it's, great song. it's almost horribly misplaced. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> like... So it's it's kind of humorous in the way that it's 
it's just how that is, I guess. I guess I've never really analyzed that before, but it's definitely an odd thing, but it's pure nostalgia. Like, it really puts you in touch with where they are as, you know, what their age is, and, like, there's a good respect to that. Oh, no question. I as it's pretty high on my list at number six. I I was it was between six and seven there. Hawkeye almost passed that one, but I said I could do this all day. Can't do this all day. It can't pass this song or any of the ones past this. My That's top fair. five is an is another tier above my bottom five here. Damn. But this one this one felt really good. I love the moment. It's so funny. And it's just delightful stuff. And a lot of what I look for when I was putting these moments together, like I've mentioned a few times, is how does it set the tone going forward? How does it play towards what we're building with the story? And this song, paired with the scene it's with, does just a wonderful job doing that, setting up the tone of this film. It's a great pairing, like combos and beer. Yes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Like eating ice cream and then farting for three hours. (laughs) I tried that. That's, Often. Yeah. I, I dabble with that one. It's a good time. Shout so, out Ben and Jerry's. Speaking of things that are beautiful, Hotel California, and especially when it's sang by the, the likes of Wong, Shang-Chi, and Katie. Oh, excellent pick, sir. Please elaborate on why. It's it's a pure fun pick. I'm going to be pure right fun. up there with you. It's got three of my favorite people in the MCU right now. Like that's It's been, a power trio. Yeah, no secret that that's my favorites there. Those are my people. Season of Wong, always. Always. It, it's funny, obviously, in the sense that, you know, earlier on in the movie Katie's using it as a, you know, diversion tactic. Like keeping people away from her, like keeping ninjas distracted while she or has high no idea what's going distracted. Yeah. So it's ironic and everything, obviously, but just drunk karaoke. I I didn't think we were gonna get that, especially with Wong. Wong drunk karaoke. What a follow up to my earlier mentioned yeah. Wong dancing to Beyonce. Cause I we was got happy. a glimpse of it back then, yeah. and we get to see it on brighter display. Just like mm-hmm. Wong really letting it go. Oh, dude, he rips. Oh, he rips. <laughs> I I much like we got the extended Zemo dance cut. I so badly want the extended cut of just those cats doing karaoke together. Like, I just want, I want to see what other song selections happened. I want to know what other songs they sang together. I want the full length version of them doing Hotel California from start to finish. I want to see Wong playing like air guitar during the fucking (laughs) guitar solo because he's just so into the music. He's like holding the microphone and guitaring on the cable. Yeah, but I I want it to be like Cat Stevens or something. I want him to be real deep. I mean, I want to see that also, but I like I want all three of them up there doing the uncut Hotel California, and Wong is just guitar soloing during the whole guitar solo, and I want like the long version of Hotel California, so I can just get like, three minutes of just Wong <laughs> playing air guitar. I don't think that's too much to ask. Like Marvel, I mean, I don't think any of us ask that much of you as you crank out four movies and five TV shows a year. I don't think we're asking too much of you to also give us the deep Wong cuts, please. Big time. Yeah, that's I, – I feel like for what we pay for your service, which I love paying. Oh, shout um, out. Yeah, shout out to Disney for that. Yeah, a Wong miniseries would, would be really well appreciated. Yeah, we will always take more Wong content till the day we die. So, therefore, Hotel California, my friends. 
Yes, indeed. We're in the top five, eh? Yes, sir. How to the yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Right, how about how about I hit you with this one? What do you got? I'm gonna hit you with the Partridge Family. Come on, get happy from Ant Man and the Wasp. I had a feeling you'd like this one. Oh, what a montage! Yeah. <laughs> you know how much I love this cute family. I love so many aspects of the story told across Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, respectively. Ant Woman. About you get Scott fresh out of prison. And obviously at first his mother and her now husband, who happens to be a police officer as well, are being protective and concerned about Cassie spending too much time with him right away. And it's this weird story in regards to the honesty about the way we treat our recuperated prison population. Yeah. And I love that side of it because that's really rare. And I love that her only focus is that once he's working and has a real job, she would love Scott to be part of her daughter's life again. Yep. And then we see that grow by the end to Cassie's stepfather finding out Scott's a hero and witnessing him and inevitably try to sacrifice himself to save her. And then come the second movie, we get to this montage towards the beginning of the film and... It's Scott and Cassie having just been all cute and him getting about his day right after he gives them all a hug and they're all giving group hugs to each other. And I'm blanking on the new husband's name. Why am I blanking on the detective's I, name? Dude, I'm right there with I you. I love that character. He's, he's awesome. Great. He'll he, probably get in the league eventually. I was going to say he's got a league why, potential. Yeah, he's got tons of league potential. We love him a ton. But they're all like hugging and loving each other and they've got this... I love families that can grow past the pain of your past. Absolutely. Like, and it's not a story told enough in cinema. It's not no, something you see a lot of. We've, we've, I think it was in the last episode, we actually went through um, how Ant-Man, without all of the laughter and all the gags, is it's a pretty tragic story. It's great, though, on the other side of that, where it has that family aspect where they do something that is so rare these days and it shouldn't be rare. No, you know, not to, maybe for Cassie, right? Not, maybe not to that extent. Not everybody gets comfortable with, you know, that kind of, that's, that's a lot for most people, but on um, being real, that's, you know, what we should be doing. You know, this is for your kids. It ain't for you. Yeah. And so that montage while there's comedic moments, him like doing karaoke by himself in his house and playing the electronic drum kit and taking a bath and like it's all funny Paul Rudd stuff, crushing it like Paul Rudd does. But it comes fresh after that little group hug moment and I keep harping on it, but sets up the tone of this. It sets up a tone of several relationships of this film so much. Yeah, it's just and it's a delightful drop. Hello world is a song that we're singing. How do you not come on and get happy after you hear it? Like, how know. do you not? I, 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 okay, I will be happy now. Thank you, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm now happy. Right at the moment that song drops in the movie, I'm in. I'm just hooked, happy, delighted. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give it to you from like an Eeyore perspective. Like, I don't really love that song, but I really like it in that movie. It makes me happy. But I don't ever want to hear it outside of that. <laughs> I, I I really like that song. It's fun. Yeah. Anyways, so my number five is Rubber Band Man. And I almost tried to exclude this one from here, but I'm giving it some exclusivity because it was technically not a Guardians themed movie. 
No, it's not a Guardians film. Yeah. The, the outlier was Guardians films. This yep. is not a Guardians film. It just does a great job conveying the tone of our Guardians heroes. But please continue on. Which kind of gives you exactly my my spiel on this whole thing is that it really brings in the Guardians into an atmosphere where they're going to be a goofy fit. You add Tony and all of those guys, and you can see how it works, actually. They do a really good job goofballing them up a little bit, which they normally are, but, you know, you, you add some extra ham in there. And it, it this song, getting them right into the start of it, where they're all singing a song together, which is hilarious as it is, watching, you know, rockets all in it. Everybody's really going for it. It's it's 100% Guardians, and it really allows... You start out with a pretty, like, sobering, you know, scene. And Thor thuds on the window, you know, to break up all the fun there and everything like that. But Great moment. It, it, it provides some... Wipers! Wipers! <laughs> yeah. Get him off! It, it provides some much-needed levity at the very beginning of that movie. You need that. And the Guardians are the ones that are there to bail you out, like always, because that's what they do. Yep, and then it leads directly into a, a really nice little info dump immediately afterwards as Thor meets them and they both unload the info they have about what's going on to one another. Yeah. Great stuff. Great song. Great moment. It is. It's fun. And it's the Guardians. I love it. it James Gunn, you know. We're up to number four, eh? Number four. Mine is from Black Widow. We're going to, with the American Pie needle drop. Or with the, with the pairing of scenes is involved in. We hear it as young Yelena's favorite song as they're fleeing this house. And Yelena is still, as a little girl, believing in this family being real. And is very attached emotionally. Whereas we see that Nat has a little bit more of a grip on the truth as a teenager. Or whatever age she is in that. 12, 13, whatever she is there. So we get it briefly there. But the spot that really hits home is when they're having their family reunion of sorts as adults and Yelena runs to her room and slams the door because she's hurt. She's hurt that it was real to her when it wasn't real to the rest of them Mm -hmm. in her eyes. And as we find out through the rest of that film, it was kind of real to all of them. Just the other three weren't as ready to acknowledge how real it was for them as Yelena, who was a younger child, was able to. And it's having our fucking Captain Russia, what uh, the the red what? Red rocket. <laughs> yeah, we can just call him the Red Rocket for all its intents and purposes. The Red the, Russian. Uh, the Red Guardian is red red, guardian. Is, the, is the Red Guardian. There you go. It is the Red Guardian. David Harbor. Yeah, David Harbor. <laughs> David Harbor. I don't care how mediocre this accent is in this movie. Is so funny in this movie. It's one of the better qualities of this film. Uh, <laughs> Yelena is the big winner of this whole movie. And again, and the, this the scene between the two of them as he is singing her American Pie in this really weird, not so great Russian accent. And she's like a pouty girl drinking vodka on the bed. It's It's heartwarming. It's really nice and comedic at the same time. Hits in the feels and the laughs. And I love the song drop because it's, it's a song that's overdone in a million different ways yeah. and is used in a really clever way here. A lot of these are. I, I don't know if you've noticed that's a common theme. Sure. It's not like all these songs, you know, they, 
and sometimes we have like that music fatigue too like you listen to a song or you hear it enough times and you get kind of burnt out by it but that's where these kind of things actually start to become very you know um i guess transcendent they're able to actually kind of pull you back into a song attach a memory to it that you find to be positive and that's why these songs i think are so special big time big time and that's my number four sir what do you got I thought that was a lot higher up there than I expected you to have that up there, but dude, I really like that moment. Yeah, it get, it, it, I I thought it would be lower as I was ranking these two, and I like I kept being like, I like it even more than that. Well, I don't know if this is going to be much of a surprise, but at four, I have Yakety Yak. Don't come back. Yeah, uh, specifically the Vision version, <laughs> Vision version, Vision version. I think it's 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 a really funny song in particular. Like it's one of those that we all remember from being kids and stuff, and it's just goofy. Oh yeah, who hasn't I, danced to that song yeah. a million times in their life? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved this song when I was like four, five. Yeah, for sure. It was so funny to me. Yakety yak, don't come back, Jack. So it's a really fun thing. It's like a rock and roll like chore list. That's literally what it is, is just like a bunch of chores that some kid didn't do. And then his dad's going to like kick his ass. Like, he's like, your father's hip. He knows, he knows what cooks. Just tell your hoodlum friend outside. You ain't got time to take a ride. Those are very like, uh, um, man, I've never broken down the lyrics to this song. <laughs> they're I, so I really bad. Appreciate this. This is, yeah, I, uh, I, wow. That I've never broken down the lyrics to this song at all in my head. Just the, your father's hip. He knows what cooks. I, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> does he know where the crack is cooked in the neighborhood? Is this, oh a, is, this a, is this a crack cocaine reference? I don't know, dude, but it's, I had to pull these lyrics because as I was doing this, I'm like, I think everybody needs to hear about this. The song's kind of fucked up, man. Yeah, that's really weird. (laughs) That's a good public service announcement, actually. That's some pretty strong work there, buddy. But, uh, you know, now that I've gotten that over with and I've informed everybody, Paul Bettany just uh, brightens up the whole screen here as he does the in well, the entire series until the end when he makes you the saddest human being alive again. It, with that song um, and listening to him sing it and just trying trying to get his boss off his ass and, like, so, you know, Wanda can do what she needs to do. Got Agatha messing around over here, popping in and out of the freaking kitchen. Shit's going haywire, and he's singing yakety yak. Yakety yak. <laughs> it's a really funny scene. There's I've talked to so many people that do not love those first couple episodes of WandaVision. I can understand because it is such a cheese fest and it's so campy. But to me, that's so wonderful. And it was such a unique way to explore that space briefly because of this grander story we find out is being told. And God, I I love rewatching those episodes because partly that one because of that scene. What's funny is I probably could have watched eight episodes of them in that, like in the black and white and all campy. Like, it worked really well. I see where people come from with that. They just, it's it's a hard thing to do for some people, I guess. And I'm surprised I'm not one of them, honestly. But, no, it worked really well for me. I thought it was hilarious and endearing. Paul Bettany just made made the whole thing that much better. Paul and Liz have a really special chemistry together. Oh, absolutely. There's that playful, like, how he, he ends up being the playful one. Like, he's, he's an AI 
Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. very odd how he's the less serious of the two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, By far. Yeah. Great levity in that scene. Great scene. Wonderful performance of the song by Paul Bettany, of course. Oh, it's beautiful. Nicely done, sir. It's like Seal. Great number four. <laughs> it's like Seal? <laughs> like like Kiss from a Rose Seal? Exactly. <laughs> da, 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 da. I wish okay. we had a chance to put that in here because it would go in here. I almost it would find put its it way. Out. I love that song. Uh, I'm up. actually pretty confident that will be in the MCU someday. I don't see how not. Yeah. Some way. It should be in like a Deadpool someday it's movie, gonna though. Land in some weird way, yeah. I feel like it's in some fucking movie that I saw in the past few years. Oh, you know what it's in? Batman Forever? No, it's in that movie with the workaholics guys where they're like, it's basically Die Hard, but the three of them instead of John McClane. It's like a Netflix movie. It was pretty funny. It's not It's not the greatest, but it's funny. You may have watched that very stoned, but I don't remember. Kiss, I'm pretty sure Kiss from a Rose was in that. But anyway. It's a wonderful song. Yeah, great song. Shout out, Seal. Horny stuff. Horny stuff is right. Well, where are we at there? Uh, I think we finally reached the uh, top three there, buddy. Top three there, buddy, is right. Yeah. So my number three, you actually had lower on your list. It's been a long, long time. All right. All uh, the way at number three. All t- them dancing and then the credits rolling at the end of this 23 movie saga. And seeing Steve for once choose himself, and it's it's so weird. The whole you if you want to nitpick the crap out of the ending, it'd be like, oh, Steve creating a branch reality to, and just staying in the past and doing all this. You can get hung up in that minutia, or you can just see how much they love each other and watch them have a cute dance. And doesn't Steve deserve to have a cute dance with the woman he loves? Like, come on, people. Steve deserved this. He worked a whole lifetime to actually, you know, help as much as he possibly could. Everybody in the universe, literally, everybody in the universe. All y'all. And he never got that. And to be able to be given that gift, to be able to go back and do that again, and then see him in that moment, you know, you've got that whole scene, and you've got, like, the horns start lazily playing that tune and you can just hear and just like see this uh euphoric thing going on you know you have the light creeping into the room you know it's pretty dimly lit it's just a whole ass scene and that song is it does it starts to actually give you goosebumps and then it makes you cry yeah it is a full scale emotional breakdown for me Upon several rewatches in a row still, where I'm just like, I can't help myself. It just feels so damn good there. It's, it's And I'm not sure any other song works in that moment. I'm not sure there's another song that, like, lands the way that one does. And also because of the time puns and, like, yeah, he's 100 plus years old and now he's, like, going back, you know, like, all the time puns in the world. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter. It just feels so good. The one another uh, aspect of this story that bums me out to this moment is we we're we're supposed to believe that Steve Rogers would have just left left Peggy Carter or I'm sorry Sharon Carter in the wind after she helps get him his shield back and all that stuff years prior. Like I understand he's also a ghost for fi- or he's also in the wind for a couple years there post Civil War leading up to Infinity War. But I refuse to believe 
post blip Steve would not make sure that this woman that aided him so directly would be screwed like she was. No, I think you have a point there. You've you know mentioned this to me before. I don't have any way to dispute it, honestly. It's one of my it's one of my bigger bugaboos with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I love is I love that series as a whole. Sharon Carter being the power broker even does feel more right on rewatch. We were all swept up in the hyperbole of who could it be that it felt disappointing when it was her the first time through the series. But that was also because we were all like in quarantine lockdown at home and just desperate for anything new and exciting. And it wound up being a character that was right in front of our faces. But when you watch the series a few months later and just kind of watch all six episodes, it's like, oh, yeah, no, this feels like a story they were telling. And they gave us hints throughout the whole thing. And then there it was. And like, that's fine. And I'm curious to see this side of her going forward. I'm curious to see what this brings. And that's all fine and dandy. But the core element of her character being trapped on the lost just never sits right with me because I just don't think that Steve would let that happen. No, I don't. What do we know about Steve Rogers? He's the most selfless person on earth. He looks out for people, especially the woman who he's about to time travel back to, his great niece, who he made out with briefly once. Right. I can't see him not tying off things with her before he does whatever he decides to do. Same. I will give you that, and with that, I am going to give you my number three, and that's Just a Girl. Ooh, I just want to momentarily reflect on the fun emphasis you just put on your number three. Number three. But anyway, tell me more about New Doubt, Just a Girl. Captain Marvel, I don't give enough love to this movie sometimes, but they, it has some parts in it that I really like a lot. And uh, I like this song because, I don't know, I lived through the 90s and liked it then, and I like it now. Um, it's one of the things I haven't burnt out on, apparently. Dude, uh, No Doubt still slaps. I'm still yeah, here for No Doubt. Big time. And really is perfect for that. It's the uh, arm wrestling for the Tesseract, she says. And she's up on the bridge there, and she's challenging him. And it's like, that's where the attitude comes in. They drop down, and then it starts. And it just, it's got, like, such mastery over that fight. Because it can sit there in the background, and they start, like, messing with the volume a little bit here and there up and down as the fight's going through different phases and it's carol danvers like that song is her persona like that song to persona yeah it it lands really well and there's some people that the critics one criticism i heard a fair amount was that that song was too on the nose i don't know how you give that criticism when that's that's what the that's the whole point yeah and I agree with you on that, and that's always somewhere around my response. Maybe not that exact phrasing, but I always kind of land in that plane as well, where she's such a she's this badass rebel person from before she got these powers. She was always fighting the patriarchy and fighting the being told she can't do blank because she's a girl and weak and all these bullshit things, and then she gets these powers. But she was always this strong person. And this song resonates that for me pretty well. Oh, yeah. It tells both parts of her life. And it's at that exchange, too, when that starts. Like, that's the whole, you know, when she starts into that fight, that's her knowledge and recognition of what she is then. And that persona doesn't go away. You know, it's it's reflective of that. And that, for me, hit really... It's honestly one of my favorite parts of that entire movie. 
you know, I like to go over a lot of these kind of like more battle scenes and stuff, just because in some ways you do have a little bit more into it than, you know, than it seems. This was almost like a coming to age moment, I guess you could say, as the character really steps into her character in that movie. Couldn't agree more. Well said. She's really good in this role. Brie Larson is really good in this role. I also wonder if that's part of that criticism where you're saying like, oh, that that song sounds too spot on. It's almost like Brie Larson being Captain Marvel. Yeah. She they seem reflective of each other as well. Yeah. She's so badass in this role. I don't understand the criticisms of her. I don't understand people that dislike her. I can understand there's nitpicks to be had about Captain Marvel as a film. We said it on a different episode. This isn't a top tier one for either of us. No, it's like somewhere around But it's a rock solid movie. It's a very enjoyable flick. I rewatched it like a month ago and was like, yeah, I really like this movie still. You get a lot of Samuel Jackson in that. Yeah, what's that love about? <laughs> Are you not going to like Ben Mendelsohn? I think probably the most Nick Fury we've ever gotten. Oh, for sure. And Ben Mendelsohn. In a single movie. And Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, That's and Phil Coulson. That's a in its own. Yeah, and Phil Coulson. Like, what's not to like here? And young Monica Rambeau? There's a lot going on in that. And Fresh Prince references? You can... Jude Law kind of spoiled a little bit of it for me, but the rest of it was... And Flurkin' Kitty? The Flurkin' Kitty was... That's a, that's a hell of a moment. Dude, Flurkin' Kitty... Probably belongs in the league, if not for being overpowered as hell. Yeah, he's not a cat. I know, but I want him in the league so bad. I just think that if not, if he wouldn't eat Morris, he could be good friends with Morris, and it'd be really cute. There could be a uh, maybe. There's an uh, understanding. Uh, pet there. vendors. Wait for the pet vendors. We get Morris. We get Lurk and Cat. We get Loki. Croaky. Croaky. Yeah. Lucky. Like, yeah, yeah lucky you get, to that, oh, yeah. get lucky in the cut. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the pet vendors are assembling, folks. Like, oh, we can have the giant ant from the end of Ant-Man, the one that got blown up and then just becomes their house pet. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that guy's cool. I like that big giant <laughs> ant. I like that, how much Cassie likes him. Yeah, that dude's tight. Oh, love Cassie. I like and love that big old ant. That ant's awesome, man. Nice. And that's your number three? That's my number three. Any further thoughts on it, or should I just go to my number two? I'm going to let you go to number two, because no, I think we both covered exactly everything that I was going to say. Sweet and more. stuff, buddy. As we all do, always do. My number two is bouncing over to WandaVision for the absolute banger, the instant classic of a song, Agatha All Along. Catherine Hahn going from villain of this series to the fans just loving her so much that Marvel was like, well, I guess we got to make a show around her, right? And everyone was just like, fuck yeah, you do. And now that show's happening. That's how popular this performance by Katherine Hahn was. And that's not even me talking shit because I'm in the camp of, holy shit, I want more of this no matter what form it comes in. She was that role. I, I, there, She's the perfect person for it. And oh, it's incredible. I, it's cheesy. It's campy. It, oh, it's so good. But deceptive. And crazy, yeah, and a witch, and yeah, like, and just the presentation, and then, and I killed the dog too. <laughs> just like, oh, that song slaps, dude. It's if if I ever had my phone not on silent or uh, vibrate, which it always is, I would definitely have Agatha all along as my ringtone. Do we do However, ringtones I just, anymore? I mean, you can. I just don't think that people do. 
Really? But yeah, oh yeah, I mean I can set ringtones to my phone right now. There's they're out there. I haven't heard these things. In you a can long now time. now you can just like pluck them straight from YouTube. Like you don't even really need like an app where you like download ringtones. You can just be like, hey, this song from YouTube. I want it to be the song that plays when my phone rings. I feel like I would associate that with like strong sociopathic traits. Yeah, no, I mean no one wants Scary. to hear your phone go off, buddy. Put that shit on vibrate and put it in your pocket like a grown up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to hear anyone's phone. Like, fucking phone sounds are obnoxious. Shut them down. Yeah, we've got Shut them down. Yeah, I'm fully for that. No more sound. No no more phone sound. Or Actually, you know what? Fuck it. No more sounds. <laughs> no more sounds. Anyone. Anything. For any kind. Just be quiet for a while. I mean, Mike, you're kind of shooting down our whole podcast idea if we go no more sounds. We're not really loud, though. But we're a sound. Play us on mute, people. We still get the streams that way. It's like Pootie Tang. Yeah, you don't even have to listen. Just play us on mute. Put it in the background. Pootie did it again. Pootie did it again. But Agatha All Along <laughs> is so just wonderful. I think it really swept the nation, as did Catherine Hahn. Uh, and also, if anyone's ever, if you've never seen the show Mrs. Fletcher on HBO, watch that. It's just one season. It's led by Catherine Hahn's the main character. And it's awesome. Has a bunch of twists you won't see coming. Very R-rated show. Lots of sexual stuff. Pretty wild show. And very cool stuff. And at the end, you'll find out it was Agatha all along. Yeah, and then this song breaks out. And oh, surprise, it's all part of the fucking multiverse. Right, then Rogers the theme musical starts and just becomes a wonder wind of... Honky songs. <laughs> a wonder wind of honky songs, I think, is going to be the official title of this episode. Or at least, like, in the parenthetical. A wonder wind of honky songs. We're getting we're getting there. We're getting there, folks. That's my most wonder-winded honky song thus far. Hit me with your number two, my friend. All right. Take a number two all over me. <sighs> hey! How do I follow that up? Run it. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. Poop jokes. New lingo from these youngins. But the song's really called Run It. I'm leaning into Shang-Chi again. Big surprise. I love Shang-Chi, and this is all part of the bus scene. Uh, The best scene I've seen in the MCU in a long time. I mean, outside of your end game, stuff like that. But there's so much packed in there, and the way that they use this song for maximum, like, tension... You know, as soon as they have, like, they cut out of any dialogue or anything going on where they kind of drop the volume a little bit, it just blares back again. And it's just so hard. Like, it goes so hard. and So I, hard. I just can't help but love it. Like, you've got this, like, going so hard. Keanu Reeves speed style bus thing going on. Like, there's not a bomb rigged in it or anything like that, but she's driving the bus like she's crazy, and she's, like, trying to avoid people all over the place, and she's learning that her best friend is, like, a fucking ninja. So she's like, holy shit. And that song's playing in the background, and you're, like, adrenaline's pumping the whole time. Like, it's up at my number two because of that. Like, I just think it's a perfect scene, and the, that music also makes it, you know, big ups to Rick Ross and Rich Bryan on that one. Yeah, the song's great. The scene's amazing. It's a phenomenal pick. We finally get our quality, well-deserved time with Clevin. 
with our Mimi and Clav, or with our Mimi and Clav. I think it's just Clav, but you know, I, I feel like it's probably short for Clevin. So that's really nice to me about the bus scene. Always shout out to Clav. Yes, I, th- I think it's just Clev, because we don't really know if that's, like, his middle name or some shit either. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... Clevin. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout-outs, Clev, always. Uh, the bus scene pops hard. And the music, definitely, I agree with you. The music fits. Per- it's awesome. It's just, if it, it makes that scene, it adds a lot of adrenaline and power behind it. It's really good. You get a start to that movie, which is fun. I mean, they go on a little car ride, excursion, you know, whatever. They're, they've got some fun dialogue going on and stuff like that. But there's nothing really heavy there yet. And the way that they introduce his character by being like, bam, here he goes, beating the shit out of all of these dudes. That is such a just flip on it, you know, flip on its head like moment in that movie. And that song just hits right with it. And it. Yeah, it, it just really, it's perfect spacing in the movie where, where they put it and, you know, what it accomplishes. Oh, yeah. it's uh, And it's just a banger, too. Great song, like you said. Oh, yeah. Big time. I, that is higher on your list than I thought it would be. I knew it was going to be on your list. I did not expect it all the way up at number two. But it, it bangs really hard, and it fits the scene awesome. So I'm not knocking you. I just, uh, I was surprised by the placement. I think I just watched that movie so much now, too, that I'm just... I love that scene more and more every time I watch it. I, it's so fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, sir. So we're up to our number ones, right? Number ones, not number twos. The number one stun is what, 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 what? Ooh. Oh, deep pull. Uh, <laughs> oh, deep man. Pull out Death here. Row Records? <laughs> no, uh, Cash Money Records, cash mo- sir. God. Uh, oh. Cash Money. Ooh, I'm sorry. What, 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 what? Yikes. Like yeah. Juvenile. Silk the Shocker. No, Silk the Shockers. Uh, he was cash no, money. No, no, no limit no soldiers. Limit. Oh man, dude. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're mixing up all your rap clips, clicks. But I digress. Our it's... my number one. We have different number ones. I don't know why I was about to say as though I was both hoping of us. we were going to continue with that one. But yeah, go ahead. Move on to your fucking number one. <laughs> I mean, would you? Do you have other '90s rappers you'd like to mention at this time? <laughs> I'm open to them. Mace. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a really good one. Bad boy, come out and play, Mace. I really liked Mace. And then he went and became a reverend, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he then went on to become a reverend, and it's now good, I though. think he's a rapper again. Oh, that's even better. I, that that part is better. I agree with that. But yeah, I think he's now a rapper again. But I do believe he went on to be a man of the cloth for a while. He found like the Run DMC thing. He found Jesus, and then he found out what happens when all the money from your brief success as a rapper in the '90s runs out. And became a rapper again, which I respect. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. This is America. What else are we gonna fucking do? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, if if you got the ability to go sell tickets to a rap concert, go do that. It's a lot easier than other jobs, which is great. And I, I support people doing that. That's what, that's what I'm doing. Hopefully, here someday. Did I tell you I saw Young Jeezy like two years ago? Like right prior in, to the pandemic, he is no longer Young Jeezy. He's just Jeezy. Yes, yeah, like in a concert. Yeah. At a, at, a, oh. at, a, at a sports arena. That's surprising to me that you were at a Jeezy concert. Go on. Free tickets were given to somebody, mm, and nice. I went with them. It was, he was not Man, very good. he sounds so white right now. Yeah, no, I mean, he, <laughs> no, I, we're talking about young Jeezy and Jeezy. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm like as unfamiliar with most of this shit as most people could be, but it was just a rough, young Jeezy didn't sound young anymore. He, oh, he I was, believe that. He had lost a, he had lost a little bit of it there, and I was just like. 
all right, well, this was free, so it was hey, an experience. Man, free stuff is real fun for me. I like free. It was interesting. Fascinating. I mean, I've seen some great rap concerts and some terrible rap concerts. Yeah, man. I've been on both sides of that coin for sure, but I have not seen Jeezy. At first, for a split second before I interpreted that as concert, I was like, like out in public. I was like, you just like saw Jeezy about, which I kind of was excited to hear about. But in concert makes more sense. Yeah. Snoop Dogg was tight, though. I did see Snoop. I, I believe that. <laughs> Uncle Snoop, are you serious? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Uncle Snoop's right up there with Uncle Will, where that's just like. Dude, if I would have saw the Willennium, like, dude, go back in the day. Man, you are not lying, <laughs> sir. Yeah, some of that Willennium or Will 2K. Like, come on, baby. <laughs> That's some bangers. Yes, yeah, straight bangers. He didn't even have to swear in that shit. Dude didn't even have to cuss to sell records, but Eminem does, so fuck him and fuck you too. Jeez. Man. There was a beef. There was a lot of that unnecessary beef. <laughs> Eminem just lobbing bombs at people. Like, was it Will a two-way Smith. beef? <laughs> Will Smith sitting there in the corner crying. He's just, like, fuck, man, not again. <laughs> man, got Jada me. comes home, she's like, fuck you, Will. Uh, just all over again. Yeah, tough break. <laughs> tough break for Will. Really unnecessary to get dragged into that overall. <laughs> he was just, just dragged him into it again. Like he was just out there making Men in Black three. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. These, those are years apart. What's <laughs> a movie he'd have been making like the early two? It would have been like AI around that point. What was the team? Wild up? Wild West. Were oh. we near the Wild Wild West point? <laughs> One day we'll just open the show. With the Wild Wild West song, because I know every word to it. Oh, dude, it's beautiful. I also know every word of that song, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> like, that's so weird that we both do, but yeah, I too do know every word of that song. I saw that at a drive-in theater. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it kind of made the experience. I saw it on a rainy day on a family vacation in northern Michigan. No shit. Was yeah, this so... more recent, or like, no, what, no, no, way back in the day? Yeah, like when it came out the first time around. Oh. Yeah. I think they'll ever uh, remake that one. I don't think they're gonna remake that remake. <laughs> I think I think that one's by that. You know I what mean, I mean? You know what I mean, though. No, it's gonna be a Netflix show in like five years. Oh, Wild Wild West World. Ooh, I like the crossover <laughs> there. But no. I, are you satisfied with the '90s rappers topic now? Can I move on <laughs> to my number one answer in our music tribute to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, I think I'm all right. Sweet. All right, that's good news. Thanks for that, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado. My number one, Dear Mr. Fantasy by Traffic at the beginning of Endgame. It comes in, you come in after this year off. You saw Infinity War. You left feeling gutted. Even if you're a big comic fan and you know they're going to find a way to undo the snap and you know that all these characters aren't actually dead, there's no way you don't walk out of Infinity War in that first viewing as someone who cares about this universe feeling gutted still to some degree, you know? It's well-landed. Yeah. They do a good job. It's a great story. Infinity War kicks ass. So we're we're all excited. We're all excited to find out how they're going to get everyone back. We're all excited to see how this is going to pick up. And instead of starting, like, post the blip and, like, seeing what people are doing, we start with Clint and his family. And he's teaching his daughter to shoot. And the mom is grilling hot dogs with the two boys. And they're making jokes about who puts mayo on a hot dog. No, two with mustard, please. Ha, 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 ha. Then he turns around and the daughter's gone. Oh. And he spends a few seconds trying to find her. And then he turns around and the wife and kids are all gone. And the panic ensues as the volume increases and the song plays. 
and we're all just right back in it. Having come off of a much funnier and lighter Captain Marvel, we went because we get that in the middle. We get Infinity War, then you get Captain Marvel, which is a lot of levity and a lighter film. The first watching of this is bad. The second viewing of it absolutely tore me apart. It's devastating. It was horrible. I get my my stomach turns. I'm instantly in this place of doom and gloom again as that song kicks in. It's so wonderfully placed. I'm not sure that any song gives me the chills in this way in the MCU personally. This was the biggest one when I thought about total emotional impact on me. And I'll say it one more time because I'm sticking with it. It's my theme in the episode, Tone Setting. This movie brings brings you right back to the tone you need to be in for where we left off a year ago. Yeah, because even after that, the tone of every character in that movie is very, very somber in the beginning. Like, very slow. They're, even the jokes aren't very jokey. No. They're very, again, very slow. Everything slows down. And I think that that sets, like you said, sets the tone. I mean, for the entire movie, honestly, up until, obviously, your breaking point. I mean, that's instant chills. I got it right when you said it, man. Like, eight. Oh. Yeah. Yep. So that's my number one on our list of non-Guardians of the Galaxy Marvel Cinematic Universe music slash needle drop moments. Mike, without any further additional, unnecessary, overly complicated, <laughs> over-adjectived verbiage, tell me what is your number one. I'll take 90s rappers for a hundred. Ooh, LL Cool J. Shout out to LL oh, Cool yeah. J. We forgot LL. about him. Yeah. One of the earlier rappers turned actor. Not the first, just one of the earlier ones to the game. Dude, what was that called? In the House? Was the... He had like a... It was, uh, dude, I grew up with like no cable. We had UPN 50. So UPN we, was awesome. Dude, it was... I want to say it was In the House. Uh, Somebody tell me what it is in the comments if yeah. you know it, and I'm just blanking on it right now. I'm sure I'll remember it before we get off of here. Yeah. But shout out the Wayans brothers, shout out Moesha, dude. Moesha, some too. great that shows. Was like, yeah, one after the other. Bang bong, dude. Fuck yeah, great one too. Yeah, man. <clears throat> so yeah, LL, love you. Uh, my number one could have probably have been a Guardians movie, but it was written by none other than Mr. Taika Waititi. We're going back to the Thor Ragnarok. Well. The Immigrant Song. Oh, man. I can't... You went for a different kind of chills than me with your number one, and I respect it. Hit me with why. I'm not going emotion here. I I guess I am in some aspect, just because of, like, how fucking awesome that whole scene is. There's a dragon. In some aspect? Are you serious? If you don't come out of that shit, like, fist pumping, like, yes! In every aspect. You have everything you want. There's, like, little demon thing, like dragon things flying all over the place trying to kill him you've got surter his horns in a dragon and a mother fucking dragon all while this song is just picking up and just you hear robert plant screaming which normally for all rights to explain myself here i do not like led zeppelin at all i don't even normally ever want to hear this song because of him screaming and bantering, and it's just obnoxious to me. I'll talk about my dislike for Led Zeppelin at a different time, though. In this case, though, it's so freaking awesome. Like, the way that it just melts into that scene. Like, everything is just all one synergetic ball of Taika Waititi. 
and you get your new up, you know, new and improved Thor. I dude, it, I just Ultimate couldn't. Thor. I I had a hard time. Like when I was making this list, I'm like trying to remember. Like I'm trying to find songs that have enough meaning for me to remember it without having to do too much digging or anything. We're all gonna do digging. There's like eight million movies now, and you know my brain's just not that big. This song though is like the first thing I think of. It's really the first one of the first things I think of when I think of the MCU. It's freaking incredible stuff, dude. It rocks so hard and it kicks so much ass and we get to meet like you said the new and improved thor the fully white td thor the thor that a director looked at this actor and was like this dude's fucking hilarious the thor that got pulled off by his hammer this is an actor that i've heard more than one comedian talk about working with and being pissed that he's funnier than them and you didn't do any of that before and you just went with none of it in the, in the first four uses of this man. Yep. Rough stuff for the MCU. Hey, we all have our mistakes, but YTD unlocked something special. And this song early helps bring that shit to life. That whole movie is just awesome. Everything about it is awesome. Yeah. But it's not really, I guess, all that much of a surprise to me that it found its way to number one here. Uh, it's kind of ruled a lot of my lists in general, and I think it probably will in the future too. For that to be said, one of the funny things I took away from this is I kind of did a little bit of a deeper dive. Yet again, like I said, I don't love this song typically, so it's not like I really know the lyrics. I just hear him screaming, and that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like an angry Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not far off. No, but... Some of the uh, lyrics here, we've got, The hammer of the gods will drive our ships to new lands. And I found that interesting in the sense that I could have just saw this song as just being pure hype, you know, at the very beginning to build all of that. But it seems like it also has a little bit of, uh, you know, synchronicity. Some deep foreshadowing. Yeah, just a little bit of fore- foreshadowing there. Because yeah. it, it seems very specific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a god of hammers. Yeah. yeah. Pull him off. <laughs> me cog oh boy i hope they find a deeper more meaningful usage of korg in the future someday just want him to log more minutes man yeah so it's it's you know it's something that we don't actually get to visually confirm or do we someone correct me I'll, i'll look back on endgame and figure out if i'm right or wrong is korg with thor with the guardians of the galaxy or is he staying back in new asgard with Valkyrie and Co. It's a good question. I don't remember either. I, uh, cause, I'm a little bit ashamed of myself for that, uh, actually, now. Because I, I would hope he's with the Guardians Co. I really want to see Korg interact with, like, Mantis and, like... Drax. And Drax and, like, any of them. All of them. Yeah, I want to see these interactions. Uh, I want to see if Meek, if any of his eggs ever become anything. This is a question from a previous installment that I'm still hung up on. I haven't let this go in my brain since we talked about it. Like, I, for a week now, I've just been hung up on what happens with all of Meek's eggs? Where the fuck are all these eggs going? Uh, baby Groot's eating them. Or Teenage Groot's eating them now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he, Teenage Groot could take down a lot of these eggs. That's a good point. So, I think like, so. they're contained on the ship, but, like, what about all the ones on Earth and stuff? He was on Earth for five years. That thing lived on Earth for five years. That's a note that I want everyone to remember. It's a that huge thing, plot hole, guys. Meek, five years on Earth. 
laying eggs <laughs> in the sea. Maybe they just crawled out to the sea and live there. Uh, I like chance. that. I mean, Meek kind of seems like he actually is an ocean sea creature that just kind of like can live above water. With a rock. Yeah, so it's like this rock just keeps lugging him around and he has no way to communicate like, hey, dude, put me to sea. <laughs> so the rock's like, this is my friend, Meek. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with it. But I, I agree. I think that Korg's destination is with the Guardians. I think that's where he has to end up. And I think that's his best pairing. If he can get Drax minutes... Yeah, dude. That's, well, dude, that's the life. It's hard to really tell if we'll even see much more Guardians after Guardians 3. I mean, we're still like two years away from that. And I was reading a thing today that was talking about how Bradley Cooper's like mostly done acting, except for in things he writes himself now. Yeah, but we can fix... We, we could probably fix that so somehow, like, right? Going like probably Sans Rocket and probably Sans Star-Lord. Like maybe we see like fucking... Mantis, Groot, because, I mean, Vin Diesel's never going to turn down a paycheck, so we can confidently say we can have Groot as long as we want. Like, Vin Diesel, this isn't me knocking Vin Diesel. This is me, like, kudos to a guy that's like, yeah, that shit makes a bunch of money. Sure, I'll do it. Cool. It's it's an easy-ass job. He sits in a recording studio and says the same three words, just in different inflections. It's awesome. It's also Vin Diesel's best acting work of his career, which is really cool, too. We are Groot. Oh, I'm sorry. Fourth, there's a fourth word in the mix. You're right. There is a fourth word. Also, my fantasy team name. Little teaser of that episode. If you haven't listened back to that, he really killed it in that role. I mean, he, you know, when he said "We are Groot," oh, I, cried. I felt that shit. I did. I too cried. <laughs> a yeah. lot. Yeah. Vin Diesel is an actor that has made me cry. Wow. Damn. <laughs> it never really occurred to me until that moment. Yeah. We, yeah, we are family. He'd like it that way. We are family. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and then just a car <laughs> crashing through and shatters and all. Shit. We are the juggernaut, bitch. This is the multiverse <laughs> crossover we don't want. <laughs> but at some point, we're going to do a whole Fast and the Furious, like just like fast recap. <laughs> the Vin Dieselverse. <laughs> yeah, the Vin Dieselverse. Uh, oh, man. I've, I've actually watched most of those films, and I couldn't tell you which one is which. Like, I couldn't tell you, like, oh, man, number five, like, this happens. Or, like, number seven, like, this happens. I could kind of just tell you a handful of total things that happen. Don't they, like, heist stuff and then, like, yeah, there's, like, some stealing and some, like, friend stuff. Fighting against government agencies. Whose family, who's And then not. sometimes working for said government agencies. And then there's, like, a dead chick, but then she's not actually dead. And there's one scene that you've got Paul Walker staring at a funeral from far away, but then Vin Diesel up on a hill staring at the fun- <laughs> staring at Paul Walker, staring at a funeral from way further away, which I think is really cool. Like, that's a cool, that's a cool little framing. We are Oh, grouped. and that's all for the chick that's not actually dead, by the way. That's, that's what's going on there. She's not even actually dead, and they're both just, like awkwardly stalking her funeral from afar sounds like the start of like a saw movie yeah it kind of does yeah All except for where Vin diesel is that second zoom back is actually the killer <laughs> want to play a game oh no i don't <laughs> it just sits in a room and says i am groot for like a week straight <laughs> Yeah, man. Just, you're in the you're makes, in the dieselverse now. And makes a handful of million dollars for just like a week worth of just sitting in a studio saying, I'm Groot. I am Groot. I'm Groot. Just like sweet man. Fuck when I yeah. found out that was him, 
because it was like years later somehow <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do with that information i really didn't i actually found out before the movie came out that vin diesel had been cast and it was just a voice job but i didn't know that it was a talking tree i just knew that i just knew that he and bradley cooper had both been cast in voice roles and then i saw the movie in theater like the first week it came out and i was like holy shit Vin was the tree? The tree. Because I figured out Bradley Cooper was rocking a few minutes into rocking. Yeah, no, that one was very like, hard. It took a second because, I mean, he, like, he, the accent's different, but it's Bradley Cooper's voice. Like, Yeah, you can tell out of all of them if you're looking yeah. for Bradley Cooper. Yeah, and then once I did the deductive reasoning, I was like, oh, well, the tree is Vin Diesel. Interesting. Vin Diesel's a tree. That has three speaking lines in a whole. It's yeah. like Nicolas Cage's act, acting these days. He, he I mean, tries th- not to talk in movies now. This is honestly Nick, like his uh, equivalent to Vin Diesel's or to Nicolas Cage's Leaving Las Vegas. It's like his best work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Less he talks, the better. Oh, big time. Big time. Unless he's talking about family, which, you know, we are family, my brother. And it's been an absolute pleasure as usual. Yeah, we have kind of gotten on a rundown here at the end. Yeah, but it was fun. We had a good time. Good time indeed, sir. It's like our 90s rappers discussions. They're always uh, yeah. intuitive and, you know, full of information. Yeah, really deep impact stuff there. Us, us, us just shouting out random rappers. It's a good time. I love a lot of those rappers, though, for the record. Yeah, no, I'm still... I'm, yeah. yeah, right there yeah. with you. So, you know, all you listening... If you haven't hit the socials, we're on the Facebook and the Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, check us out. Also, if you like what you hear, you want to hear us do more of it, hit that like button, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button, do all those things. Do that for all the artists and podcasters and all the people you love out here in the artistic sphere. We all can use it. It all it helps everybody for the greater good, y'all. Just hit that follow. It doesn't take no time. Even like animals, if there's like an animal that has a podcast and it's just like a raccoon just talking for like minutes at a time. Like that shit too. Follow it. Support also, him. If that podcast exists, put it in the comment yeah, section of know. this podcast so that Mike and I can like, follow, subscribe. I will regularly sit around and listen to the ramblings of a mad raccoon. I prefer him not to be mad, just kind of Oh, I'm not mad like crazy. Yeah, not like oh. mad like angry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Like Okay. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, like the mad ramblings of the cute raccoon. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to start that. Ooh, that could be a side project for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. That's uh, that, that's like an animated short. If there's any uh, animators out there that want to animate this for Mike and I. Also here for it. We'll do it. We're in. And Morons we're listeners, we love you. Stay tuned to Morons of the Multiverse in the future. Because we're going to keep coming at you hot, 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 and fast. hot, 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 Thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of Morons of the Multiverse. Make sure to check out some of the other sweet stuff we're doing here at Good Fun Media. We have our sitcom fandom podcast, After the Laugh Track, dropping new episodes every Thursday. We also have our sports gambling podcast, D2B2 Sports, dropping new episodes every Friday. Oh.